this year is all about is trying to get our foundation built of right. what is it that we want? What's the strategy and the vision? And what's the expectation of the timeline of when to do all these things? Right. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass radio dial at home, in the car, 102.9 on the dial. Here today for a Talk Franklin session with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, how are you doing today, sir? Nice and warm, Steve. On our, uh... <laughs> nice and warm because you're inside and it's kind of frosty and weird outside. <laughs> Well, it is frosty and weird outside, um, but also um, so anxious about all this wintry mix. You know, I thought we were hardy New Englanders. Um, you know, it really wasn't that big of a storm. And uh, DPW did a great job on whatever they did. Uh, salt, getting the roads ready. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad it wasn't a big, uh, big, big, uh, huge storm. It's not going to be a blast from what I've seen. And certainly we're recording perhaps in the middle of it. We don't know specifically, but it's going to continue. And we always know that's a cost to us from a town perspective. Yeah. Now, I think to the extent that we really haven't had many incidents like this, we're still going to be well under the budget. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> what else is yeah. going to happen? We're still, we're still in the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Without further ado, getting to economic development, there was a great meeting this week uh, that effectively, to borrow a term that the FinCon has been doing, they really took a deep dive into 40B and then a had a meeting. preview of the friendly 40B. It was a great meeting. I mean, I think, um, you know, for those of you that hear the term 40B, you know, it usually brings negative connotations to everything. Um, it's a feeling of powerness, powerlessness, sometimes vulnerability you know, when local zoning gets overridden. Um, and so we thought, you know, in my eight years here, we had never had a talk about just 40B. Nope. So Correct. Steve, we've talked about this a lot. There's a lot of content out there on Franklin Matters, on Franklin TV, YouTube, uh, franklinma.gov, the website, um, going back and looking at how revenue projections occur. You know, how does this policy work? How does the mass works work? You know, a lot of featured pieces on topics that are uh, kind of uh, kind of legendary almost in local government. Brian uh, Taberner did a great job on a wonderful PowerPoint last night, um, trying to make sure that uh, people understand the basics of 40B um, and what it is. And, and also where there are some 40Bs in Franklin, right? Right. Um, there's a diversity yeah. of 40Bs. There's a lot of different style 40Bs. Yes. Um, it's important for people to understand that um, regardless of 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 where 40B may go next to someone's house, nobody's ever supportive of of housing really going near them. It's the NIMBYism piece. Mm -hmm. But if 40B was not here since 1969, it's had two attempts at being repealed. Both have failed uh, overwhelmingly. Um, and I think you know, I think people can also look at suffering here, but it'd be a lot tougher if there was no 40B. Um, it, it would yeah, it'd be really really hard we'd be nothing but um we'd be like the manhattan almost of of <laughs> of states we'd just be people who you know make money and others that don't and mm -hmm. uh, without 40b i think the character of of our entire state wouldn't be the same as what it is 
Um, you know, that's a big hypothetical on my part, but it was well, a great job mean, by um, Councilor Hamlin and the committee and Brian to kind of give everybody an overview and the town attorney and myself and others. And and then we saw a preview of 121 Grove Street. Um, you know, I know they've been through the planning board and conservation for a couple of meetings. Um, they'll be on the town council agenda soon. Um, I'm guessing sometime in March. Um, and uh, and then they'll have a bigger debate. I thought the counselors all did a wonderful job last night. Um, just giving some good feedback. That was the goal um, was to at least kind of, you know, I don't think a lot of people had watched the planning board or the conservation meetings on this stuff, Steve. So it was kind mm -hmm. of like, let's just get some information out there, a PowerPoint, you know, mm -hmm. uh, some info, some facts. <laughs> we like facts, Steve, right? We do. And so let's get some facts out there and we'll we'll see what people's temperatures were. And I, I thought, you know, I was refreshed by the fact it wasn't just pitchforks and torches, right? I think Councilor Frangillo had some great um, suggestions and concerns. Uh, Councilor Hamlin had some great ideas. Mm -hmm. I think you see Councilor Sheridan talked about, you know, his role in going hiking with his kids and the connectivity yep. of the trail networks that they're looking at. Um, yep. and so I thought it was just, a, I thought it was, um, it was refreshing to have a conversation publicly um, about um, some of the things that um, our elected officials have heard from a lot of people, what they desire and have that open conversation with the developer about, hey, like you want what you want, but you know, there's some other things over here that the town needs for mitigation. Like it has to happen due to the traffic or the fire department or whatever. Right. Sure. But then there's some other things that seemed good. I was really impressed. One thing I didn't know about the project that I think um, that I hadn't even known was that they were designing it with the new um, remote work work from home flexibility amount yeah yeah and and i think that speaks to the quality of the builder but also you know in the sense that they're they're seeing this as a bonus in the marketplace i loved his story of how you know they used to have a desk in the clubhouse of a table and 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 they never see anybody there ever and now mm -hmm. Those 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 tables like in a hotel, like the little business center. Sure, you yeah. know now they're packed. Like you have they're to reserve packed. them, yeah. and yeah. and and I thought that that's a that that's an attentive, you know, builder uh, and business group. And I, I thought that at least they, I think they heard some of the comments about possibly a garden on the roof, more solar carports. Yeah, um, you know, a bike lane to the snet. Um, you know, and I thought that that was um, one of the more positive conversations about housing that I can remember in a while of just just not being angry and obstructionist and, you know, and negative, but uh, a good, wholesome, well done conversation about what's possible. And I thought the builder presented well about the positives for them. I mean, it's 80 units, all those units go on our SHI. I mean, that 121 Grove, the Pleasant Street Project, and Franklin Ridge, if you combine all three of those and say they were built by the end of the decade, Steve, we'd be over 10% for probably the rest of our lives, mm. you know, and that's a, that's a, that I thought Brian, Joe Halligan brought it up too, you know, and I th I didn't know that Brian had done the calculations and said by 2030, without a robust investment, there's a very plausible chance that how it was under 10%. Right. That's really when the anger comes, is when you're under 10 and you get these things crammed in, like Madeline Village. You lose control. I mean, yeah. I mean, Madeline Village is the preeminent example yep. of terrible, terrible, terrible policy development. It's hard. Mm -hmm. That's yep. the 40B people hate. Correct. And for good reason. 
That project is going to have ridiculous impacts on Fletcher Field. That project is going to be horrible impacts on public property. Mm -hmm. They are literally rerouting a river, which is just really annoying and frustrating that the state allows people to reroute rivers um, in addition to the impacts on the neighbors. And so you have a juxtaposition in front of you. Do we want to like let go a little bit of our of our of our preconceived notions of these things and say, wow, instead of why not, maybe ask ourselves why we should have this project like right. the St. John's one. Sure. Um, serves a huge need in the community at a financial level that is 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 never the private sector is never going to fund that. No. And, no. and 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 or do you want things crammed down your throat in horrible sites? That's going to be destruct the environment, destruct you know ball fields, you know, um, kids, uh, families, disruption, um, and just an overwhelming exhaustion of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the community got a great preview last night into the well, maybe we can't have the glass half uh, glass full all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought there was a great discussion on the finances, as you've heard, Steve, in those inclusionary yep. zoning bylaw debates of, you know, look, developers, you know, when they go to finance things at a bank become more challenging when it's affordable housing. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. while that's a stigma that has to be dealt with at the legislative level, yeah. we're still stuck at the local level dealing with the rules that are in play. And so I thought last night was a really, really great discussion on on housing. And I thought um, I thought it was really uh, it was really great. Yeah, I, I, it was certainly, and I used the term deliberately in respect to the FinCom deep dive that they've been using um, to getting into the details. And it, while not getting into the deepest detail, Brian and Mark certainly can go further deeper into those areas in terms of the pluses and minuses, et cetera. But I think from an overview, the 40B is much more explained. So I'll listen, listen to the first 80 minutes or so. That's about when the uh, 121 Grove Street presentation mm-hmm. started is about that 80th minute or so. So the first part is all 40B. Um, the calculation we still don't know today because the state and Fed combined haven't really given us what our number was. We're still using that 11.96%. Yep. Um, we should be above 11, but <laughs> we don't know. And nobody knows specifically exactly when that's going to happen. But the real issue is, as you mentioned, and others collaborated corroborated last night, we need to do something, which is why the inclusionary zoning is coming through, why the preview of this 40B friendly one came through. And while to, a, to, to the degree that you last year, with hearing these, put that 40B, uh, friendly 40B process together, we'll be addressing the awareness and uh, kind of the nimbyism that does come up from time to time, because people should be much more aware in, if you will, the normal channels. Mm-hmm. As we've talked offline and we've talked before, some people don't go to the concom, Some people don't go to the planning board unless they're in a butter, but they will attend or participate in the town council meetings mm-hmm. or economic development meetings. So using those forums to you know, really make the citizenry aware and then hopefully reinforce that process so that they can subscribe, become aware, follow up on the things, in addition to obviously the TV, radio, and other channels that we have. So yeah, it, it, it was a good summary. Um, 
I even got a clarification because I was trying to, you had another, well, EDC plus at the time had a great discussion around 40R, which is it's related, but there's significant differences between a 40B and 40R in terms of what the town can permit, uh, encourage developers, et cetera. And there's still some questions open for that for the future, but it was a good discussion yeah. last night and uh, yeah, great to participate. And while other things are going on, this master plan preparation stuff is underway. <laughs> Open space. Uh, public hearing was Tuesday night. There was a pretty good turnout for that. Uh, the arts and cultural listening sessions were just announced. And you still have the applications open through March 3rd, as I recall, for master plan, Davis Thayer, police station, building committee. Glad then, you mentioned that on March 3rd. Um, just if you're listening out there and you want to get involved in those committees, uh, you got one week left. Um, and uh, we've got a lot of applications, but, um, you know, we're far from making any decisions. And um, there's no one who wants to get these processes going more than me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's nothing like getting the uh, getting the train up, you know, off the station. Um, and so if people are interested in those projects, um, I will say recently, Steve, I've just noticed in the last several days, a lot of new faces. Oh, good. Names in. People I've never met, ever heard of. Yep. Um, some really talented individuals out there, really smart, um, you know, kind of moved here in the recent days and or years, excuse me, and trying to get involved. And yep. um, you know, this is a really, really great opportunity for the community to to be involved in the future of the town. So um there's also all, as you mentioned, all the public hearings uh, tonight at the Conservation Commission, and they've been doing, Rika Lai's been doing a phenomenal job on everything, but specifically the engagement. I told her, I think we've already had more people show up at those forums mm -hmm. than 2009 and 2016 combined. Mm -hmm. um, and so kudos to, um, to Brika Lai and Pat Gallagher and the Conservation Commission for getting a lot of input out there. So... Um, and then as you just announced, we just put it out yesterday. Um, Councillor Frangillo, Councillor Cormier-Ledger, and Councillor Hamlin are spearheading a, a little listening tour on arts and cultural development. Um, Steve, you and I can't go anywhere these days without hearing anyone talk about this stuff. I think Chancellor Augustus has caught people's greatest uh, dreams and fantasies too, which is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, I've you know been lucky to call out a friend for a long, long time, and uh, um, I'm a Worcester kid essentially and um, the things that he and Mike O'Brien his predecessor were able to do uh, in Worcester are nothing short of special and to have his input here in Franklin is really great and Laura Palladino his chief of staff who's also a Worcester uh, gal um, has watched that as somebody who grew up in Worcester and seen the impact that that's had on a lot of people um, so a lot of those listening tours are going on. Um, the goal here is to generate a 10-year vision for arts and cultural development in Franklin. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, I think you and I would agree, you know, everyone's working really hard, but there's really not a lot of, um, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, the right hand knows what the left hand's doing. Yeah. So my budget proposal next week, which I know will kind of transition to the next topic in a minute, but my budget proposal, well, my budget model, I should say, the budget proposal will come on April. Right. Um, you know, we're looking to make some additional investments uh, in arts and culture, uh, the cultural festival, um, and hopefully some staff investments too. So 
you know, hopefully all those things will kind of piggyback nicely together. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of emotion out there. There's a lot of angst. Uh, there's a lot of um, excitement. Um, uh, the Metro West Symposium is on March 30th. I give uh, Pandora and Roberta a lot of credit for picking up the pieces on that and putting together even a better program than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Chancellor Augustus, um, you know, Aaron Lynch, both being on that um, are huge. You know, they're extraordinarily talented and, and know what they're talking about. I, I just... For anyone listening to this, you know, that is, I think the one key is patience. Um, there's just, I keep saying this everywhere, you know, everyone's got a hundred million ideas mm-hmm. and, you know, there's not as many people doing the work. Um, it just feels like everyone's telling everybody all their ideas and all these awesome things that could be done. And, and there's fewer people to do the work. And I think that's just a, 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 a bit of a symptom of the fact that people are just really really busy and don't have a lot of extra charitable time to give well, um, and it's, that's I what think this year is all about is trying to get our foundation built of right. what is it that we want what's the strategy and the vision and what's the expectation of the timeline of when to do all these things right um, well and that's one of the things where respectfully the folks most of the folks in franklin really don't fully appreciate and or understand what the town does versus what everybody else does right so this is a franklin parade franklin memorial day franklin party here Fourth they think July. it's franklin it's yeah. not it's all nonprofits generally <laughs> yeah i think of the fourth of july right like um, sure paul and joe i mean basically you know, I mean, the two of them basically put this train on their backs and climbed it up the mountain. I mean, mm-hmm. they basically, you know, really did. Two guys were worried that one of their favorite festivals living in Franklin was going to go away. Sure. And said, I got to I got to get in the game. And it hasn't been easy for them. Right. They've yeah. learned a lot, but they've they spent yeah. an and... incredible amount of time of their own time. Yeah. To I think that's Marshall and and herd the cats <laughs> yeah. and getting him to swim. Well, uh, I think that's the good story it, that ties to what we were talking about here specifically on this topic is that some people stepped up because they were seeing things disappear and they didn't want it to do. Right. You've acknowledged you've got some applications of some relatively new people, which is great. We need the new blood because, oh, by the way, on the town side, you still have a resource constraint. You don't have as many people as you should have. And the nonprofits, even with the cultural district, cultural council, there's many people all in the same places. We need new blood in all those places. So, yeah. And and people just, you know, setting up a nonprofit. I just had a call with uh, Patrick Gallagher from the Conservation Commission. Literally, we were talking about, you know, he's been setting up. As part oh, of his friends uh, of the his, conservation, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think also his, um, you know, his his private work, right? As oh, an attorney, okay. sure. You know, helping people set up nonprofits, you know, is not really like filling out a form and getting it approved, right? right. This isn't no. a one pager. No. And he's right. And but I, I, Councillor Hamlin, I hope she's listening to this, and she'll text me someday if she is listening. <laughs> is is it is I always her and I she's so passionate and we've we've become so close and we talk so much about our work and and I I try to remind her all the time think back six years when you started coming to those meetings before you ran for council mm-hmm. think of the progress in just five or six years absolutely despite a global disruptive pandemic right 
is 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 actually surreal to think of the accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're setting up nonprofits, getting grassroots together, particularly on arts and culture, um, where the process can be its own art, mm-hmm. um, people have to have to realize the patience, the stick-to-itiveness, and the bite off what you can chew is part of the success that you will eventually have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at Franklin Library Association, Scott Nolan and all those folks for 150 years, just slow and steady, the tortoise yep. and the race. Yep. Um, first down after first down after first down after first down. No Hail Marys, no bombs, no throwing everything, all of them, mm-hmm. no, no instantaneous. This kind of work of community development takes time and engagement and i do think that we're in a i do believe this is a post-pandemic symptom by the way that people are just still they're still trying to regurgitate out all of the disruption emotions and feelings and and reevaluation of lives and where they're going from here mm-hmm. um uh, and and i and i respect that a lot i think i'm going through it you're going through it. we all continually we're, 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 we're still feeling def- the waves of the tsunami from the earthquake yeah. right where the tsunami waves are still hitting shore a little we want it to be gone but it's actually still here yeah. and i do think that um that the grassroots network in Franklin is something that uh, the council and others have to push people um, at some point to really, to really form nonprofits. And I'll give Sarah Babardi a quick shout out, you know, and Patrick Kinder, they tried to get a pride festival together. They set up a nonprofit really quickly. Mm-hmm. They got the temporary license, you know, they still got a long way to go to get that formalized, Yep. but they did it the right way. Um, you know, by doing it that way. And, and and to your point, the resource constraint, which I love that term, by the way, I'm going to plagiarize it from you, Steve. No, 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 no royalties involved. Don't and when you it. see, <laughs> when the community sees the wish list budget model in a couple weeks, oh, sure, they will see the resource constraint. The town government in Franklin cannot do it all for everybody. No. Um, there has to be a strong grassroots network. And before I leave this topic, for those, and I think, Steve, you missed it, but when Ed Augustus gave his overview at the Downtown Partnership re- recently, mm-hmm. of course, I had to ask, you know, was this a city-driven initiative or was this some other group? And he made it very clear that it was all, all private nonprofit stakeholder grassroots network folks in Fran- and Worcester right. that did it. Ed's getting a lot of the glory for it. And a lot of Worcester's, the city's saying, well, geez, we found a way. We facilitated a little. They're getting all the credit when they go on the speaking tours mm-hmm. with Polar Park and all this stuff. Right. But ultimately, the murals and the art and, and what they've done in Worcester was really done by citizens. And the city basically just found ways and techniques to help them do their work. Correct. And that is, I can't emphasize it enough, that is unquestionably one of the biggest problems, frankly. Yeah, it's on the one hand, it's our greatest asset because yep. as we've seen from council manager, council agenda, council gender, the generosity of people stepping up to to give donations to whether it's police, fire, veterans, whatever. Yep. The yeah. generosity is here. The talent, as you've seen with some of the applications, the talent is here. Yep. We the just visionaries people, are here. Absolutely. We just need people to get up and actually do something instead of sitting back on the couch or whatever. and Or Google searching all day or spending hours on TikTok and mm-hmm. getting into the wipes of the, right. you know, back and forth of the videos. And like, yeah. 
you know, they need to get out and, and make those things happen and, yeah. and just stop telling everybody else to do their ideas for them. Right. I learned this the hard way, Steve. Did it? <laughs> I should have learned my lesson by now. I go to MMA. I'm on the uh, Mass Municipal Association Executive yes, Committee. Yep. And I continually run into the same problem. I bring up ideas when there's a conversation and the MMA staff look at me and they go, great. Would you be happy to uh, sign on to that committee? And they call me out and I do it. And so recently I got put on the women leading government committee because there were some concerns about the fact that no men were going to any of their meetings. And uh, so the women leading government committee finally said, why do we have no men showing up at anything? Right. And so I just said, I had a couple to answer their question. I had a couple ideas and mm -hmm. then they turned right around at me and they said, would you, you be know? willing to be a member of the committee? And I said, sure. And so the same thing, <laughs> I'm, I'm just as smart of the problem in other places as the same issue here. But I think the dynamic and the in the relationship there is mm -hmm. the same. You know, we need citizens that have the ideas, but also not just to have the ideas and tell other people to do the work for them. Absolutely. We need citizens to step up and do the work with us. Yeah. 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 That's how I've been doing my role. Certainly it's evolved over time in the 15 <laughs> years, but I did spend three years with the steering committee for the cultural district. As we did those initial yeah. cultural festival events, yeah. I helped obviously on the communication side, which is that's in my ballpark. That's what I do. And now we have a cultural district. Now they're doing other good things, but we still need more people to do all that. And oh, by the way, this is the opportunity not to beat the dead horse by any means, but this is the opportunity to truly plant the vision. What are we going to be? Are we going to be something more than we are in the next 10 years? Or are yeah. we just going to continue to fester and, you know, not really come together the way we need to, to really develop the way we should? There's yeah. so many good opportunities. So yeah, <clears throat> that's really enough are. on that horse. There is so many great opportunities. And speaking of great opportunities, before we have to run, um, I did notice today the, the some local aid numbers getting into the budget. I want to give everybody a heads up because I know we won't have another uh, uh, episode for a couple of weeks, I think. Steve. Well, we'll be between the uh, town council. I'm going to miss yeah. one because yeah. I'll be I'll finally be on a holiday. Oh, good. Uh, but um, it's starting budget season. So all yes. of you out there that are listening and interested in the town budget, um, you know, now's the time uh, on on March 1st, um, the Governor Healy will release her first budget. My budget model that will go out will not reflect state aid numbers in all likelihood. It just it's just a it's way too early hamster wheel thing at some yeah. point. You know, it takes yeah. people time to fill in the numbers, cross check them, quality control. So we knew her budget was going to come late because a new governor coming in always gets an extension on their first filing of their first budget. Yep. Um, and we won't really know local aid numbers. We'll update them later. But the key dates, March 1st, we're going to put out our first budget model. March 8th at, I believe, 6 p.m., the meeting hasn't been posted yet, the Joint Budget Subcommittee of the school committee members, finance committee members, and town counselors will have a meeting. Um, and, um, and we will... Um, start diving into uh, the dichotomy between what I frequently say, which is the way life really is mm -hmm. and the way life we want it to be. Wishes and a, needs. There is a huge chasm mm -hmm. between those two philosophies. Yep. 
And the elected and appointed officials on those boards um, have a day, not the day, but a mm -hmm. day of reckoning coming before them. Right. And there are not just going to be hard choices, right? We're going to hear that a lot, Steve. We always hear that. Um, it's not really about hard choices, um, although they are difficult. But hard choices, Steve, as you, you've watched these movies for years, mm -hmm. there are always hard choices in a budget. Every family when, when makes comes, hard choices in their it, budget. Every absolutely. college makes hard choices. Every private sector corporation, Fortune 500 or not, make hard choices every day. That's not the difficulty. The difficulty here is, is strategically finding a way to handle and discuss those hard choices, but also, in essence, and this is a little salty to say, but returning to Earth. Um, we have a problem that we just alluded to on arts and culture mm -hmm. of ideas, wishes, mm -hmm. wants, um, demands, mm -hmm. um, and um, principles. Um, lots of words being used in the last several years and current day about the way life should be. And we're going to have a reckoning of a day coming now about the way life really is, about what is actually happening here. And with two feet on the afford, ground, right? With two feet on the ground and realizing what, where the four corners of the puzzle are. And I do think that coming up, this will be a very challenging uh, year, not from the fact that we're not going to be making some critical investments that are going to benefit the quality of life in the community. Make no mistake about it. If I were sitting here, um, and no matter what budget comes out out of my office in April, there will be exceptionally great uh, initiatives in it that will be um, the overwhelming amount of people in town will be really, really happy with. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's and a so, given. Yes. And <laughs> so that's a piece that shouldn't be forgotten. No. When we put out the no. numbers. Yeah. It's really about, it's really about the, the space from, well, wait a minute. We're making really great community investments here. We're going to have, I'll, I'll give you a little teaser. We're going to have a lot more money in roads. Um, we're going to make an investment in roads that we've never seen before in Franklin. Mm -hmm. Um, the stormwater utility is going to generate another million dollars worth of infrastructure improvements on drainage and tree removal and, and like phosphorus, all sorts of stuff. We're going to be able to make some investments in some very, very critical areas of staffing needs, not just my office, but my office, but also, um, in some other areas that the town has been wishing to have for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Director of Engineering for the Facilities Department and a lot of other areas that will be uh, huge. Um, but that gap between, wow, we really, this is a great budget. It's balanced. There's great investments in the community. Mm -hmm. And that gap between where we're at, which is really, really high quality of life, right? right. And a sure. really, really high metric of success. Mm -hmm. That gap between that point of happiness and where everybody wants to be that I, I cannot underestimate enough, and I'm not over-exaggerating this. No, I'm sure. That is a moonshot. Oh, yeah. It is a gap that is substantial and is going to um, ruffle some feathers, and it's going to make some people um, certainly think about what the strategy is for the <clears throat> next decade as they mm -hmm. go into the master planning process and all these other right. things. So, yeah, and that, that I think is the key to tie back to this because, yeah, anytime you go into a budget and I've seen elsewhere, you know, you pri what you prioritize effectively comes in the budget. That's, that's where right. you spend the money. 
That's right. <clears throat> to agree with the wishes and sometimes the needs. There are some needs that we can't meet because we just can't afford it. But we need to have that discussion, obviously, respectfully <laughs> and and agree. And at the end of the day, yeah, there'll be some people who are crying about some things that are missed. But by the other hand, you know, let's be grateful for what we got. We are going to be improving. We're still going to be a town. We're not going bankrupt. We're we're still growing. We're doing things. That's the key we, piece we, to remember, we, too. We, we're one of 400 fire departments in the United States of America that is an ISO one. And we did it during the pandemic. Right. We became the hundredth accredited police department in Massachusetts during a pandemic. We became a AAA bond rating community during a global pandemic in the middle of war. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in addition to, you know, I know there's a lot of issues at the schools and, and things with behavioral issues these days, but the 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 product of graduates that are coming out of the school, the athletic uh, achievements, the academic achievements, the awards. Um, I'm sorry, like yeah. the, the, the the town service level is amazing, um, you know, and there's an incredible product. We have an incredible team, mm -hmm. very lucky. And um, but I think it's that next, you know, ten or fifteen years, um, people have to realize this stuff ain't Google searches. And and this stuff is not Amazon Two Day Prime. It is mm -hmm. not Amazon Overnight Prime or nope. Amazon Hour Prime. These take concerted strategic efforts um, to make sure that the investments that people are saying they want, we find ways to do it. Um, and so, uh, I hope everybody tunes in uh, on March eighth. Um, that's really the key meeting um, with all the elected and appointed officials of those keyboards, and um, you know. Uh, at least for the rest of the podcast series for the next couple months, Steve. <laughs> mm -hmm. A lot of listeners will be listening to uh, Budget right. Talk. So, uh, I hope so. Yeah, because certainly it takes sweat equity, certainly from the volunteer and the oversight positions, but it also takes sweat equity on the town and school staff in order to deliver that. And that's where the rubber is going to meet the road at some point. Some of that's going to get in there, some of it won't. And, oh, by the way, that's where people can take an opportunity and participate, join a different group, watch provide the feedback and ultimately we'll get to a better place. So, well, thank you again for taking time to uh, talk Franklin in this, yeah. you know, off, you know, getting the behind the scenes. That's some of the, it's not sound bites. Uh, the dollars that are going to be the dollars and they're going to change before they get published and agreed to before the July one timeframe hits. Um, but here, at least we find out some of the rationales and some of the insights that's going to lead to those decisions. So yeah. thank you for taking the time. I'm sure the residents will appreciate it. Thanks so much, Steve, and appreciate all the listeners for uh, tuning in. Yeah. And quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. 
By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.